If you missed our updates on social media, this is a side note. Uh, the three of us, the the classic three, sorry, Moose, um, met together last week, and Ella discovered two hours and fifteen minutes in that it was not recording. So here we are. Whoops. It's fine. But it was not fine. As Cletus had been arguably too quick to point out, Ella had, albeit unintentionally, wasted the most precious and limited commodity her dear friends possessed, their time. But now, the only path left was the path forward. So after uh, quadruple checking that it is recording and then doing that a few more times even, I think we're good to, to get started. We've come from afar, bringing tales from before. Old dragons drink bourbon, but we three drink more. Welcome back to Dragons Drink Bourbon, where we definitely hit record this week. I'm Ella. I'm Cletus. And I'm Moose. Yeah, Miles couldn't make it today. And I'm lonely, <laughs> so lonely. I feel like a bird in a cage. It's kind of silly, but not really. It's filling my body with rage. Like a ginger. <laughs> yep. Miles could not make it today. Uh, he had adult responsibilities, but we had a schedule. And so we are here. And in fear that Cletus and I would bore you by ourselves, I have recruited my lover. But that brings us to our drink today. Our drink is called Two Gingers. It's an Irish whiskey. Smooth, malty, slightly sweet. With a tingle of honey and citrus, two gingers' woody essence suggests caramel and vanilla to the finish. Drink neat, mixed, with ice, or with friends, because the others implied that you would be drinking solo. If you are, do it behind the wheel, but make sure you pull over to Google. That's it. It doesn't say anything else. Imported by Kilbaggin Distilling. Kilbagginses. Yep. Kilbagginses. Very anti-Shire, but okay. Yeah, so we got the two gingers because uh, there's two of us. There are two of us. Yep. I can't think of anything clever to say about that. <laughs> I was going to say, and there can be only one! But in case uh, y'all forgot, our February theme for romance is going to be werewolves, and there is a kitten on the counter. A werecat. It's a werecat doing hey. werecat things. Trying my patience. Alright. Yes, our February theme is werewolves because it's super romantic. And this is going to release less than a week after Valentine's. Let's do werewolves part two. I did find a short story in the public domain, in the US anyway. So this episode, let me introduce you guys to Clements Hausman's The Werewolf, published in 1896. A little about Clements, because I rarely have the opportunity to dive into author details on our show. She was born in Bromsgrove, Worcestershire, 
1861. It's written by a woman. It's going to be woke as fuck. No. No, 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 no. In the 1800s. She died at the age of 94 in 1955, and Miss Hausman was also an illustrator. Her brothers were writers, and she even illustrated some of one of their fantasy works. And her brother Lawrence did the same for her, actually for this story, The Werewolf. She was an active campaigner for women's suffrage, even making banners from the movement from 1908 to about 1914. I actually, I included this next part just for Cletus. Clements was arrested in September of 1911 for non-payment of taxes. You go, girl. Only a year after the IRS existed. No, actually, it's two years before. Well, she's in England. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Crown wants that money. Yeah. She was sent to Holloway Prison, but she was released after just one week because of her protesters and demonstrators. Everybody turned up for her and got her an early release, which is awesome. And then I have some critical feedback of the werewolf. H.P. Lovecraft said that it, quote, attains a high degree of gruesome tension and achieves to some extent the atmosphere of authentic folklore, which we are sure not to accomplish ourselves. We try not to. And the last thing before we begin, I just wanted to give a special thanks to Project Gutenberg and their library of over 70,000 free ebooks for works um, for which the U.S. copyright has expired. And Project Mayhem for trying to topple the modern banking industry. Sure. But you can, <laughs> you can access the library <laughs> via web browser if you don't have a Kindle, which is how I accessed our story today. And you should check them out if you hate... My face and voice and everything about me and want to read the original. I don't know how they'd see your face. I don't know. I just had to make it as personal as possible. We have faces for radio. Yay. Alternatively, you should check it out because the writing is actually quite nice and history has taught us that the guys will effortlessly ruin any good dramatic tension. In fact, (coughs) even without Miles being here, I still suspect he will find a way (laughs) to cut into dramatic tension. (laughs) All right. So without further ado, let's actually get into the story. It was early evening, and the great farm hall in a remote Scandinavian village was ablaze with firelight. The air was warm, not just from the flames, but with the raucous laughter and conversation of family and villagers, more than 20 in total. Pockets of work spread across the spacious room. Several men sat together and set to wood carving. Others still repaired fishing tackle, while three more worked at fixing up a great net. Most of the women were sorting down feathers and mixing it with straw. As they should be. There were even looms in the room. Three wheels whirring as fine thread ran through the fingers of the housemistress. Children nearby plated wicks for candles and lamps, and each group was afforded their own lamp, and two braziers spread heat to the furthest from the hearth. So, cozy little working room. With a bunch of knitters. (sighs) Okay. Hurry up, get to the fat kid. (laughs) The only thing you remembered. (laughs) Little Roll, the youngest of the children and thus spared of work, but also of entertainment, 
sat in a corner with old Trella, whose hands shook while she slowly worked at some casual knitting. She was the finest knitter. He had been playing with his puppy, but grew bored of it. So he drowned it? No. No, no. He then set his sights on Tyr. To drown him. An old wolfhound who had dozed off and now twitched here and there, caught up in dreams of the hunt. So, like, cute little doggies are running in their sleep. I just That's what I imagined, and it was really cute and wholesome. Our cats do that As he sometimes. dreams of the wild hunt. Yep. Ragnarok. He dreams of the wild hunt and or Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Just like our, our wholesome man's best friend, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till all you fuckers die. Can't wait till Vanagander swallows the moon. Little Roll plopped down beside his great shaggy dog, hanging his arms around his neck and resting his fair curls against the dog's black jowls. In return, the old dog woke and tolerated the boy, acknowledging him only with a lick and a sigh. But he could not be spurred into action, no matter how Roll nudged and bothered. So Roll huffed, and gave up, wandering off further into the room. Nobody wants to play with a fat kid. Yeah, you said he's not fat, but you described him as plopping down. <laughs> he even right. said it like that. He plopped. That's, yeah. that's just a word. Have you ever seen a skinny person plop? <laughs> I do it. Are you saying I'm fat? You, I've he, uh, never uh, used the word plop when you sat down. I have. I'm a plopper. <laughs> I'm brave enough to admit that I'm a plopper. The young boy spotted baskets of fluffy white down feathers across the room and decided on his next adventure. Great, now he's going to tar and feather the dog. He slipped under the table. He's already dead. I don't know what you want to do. He's not dead. He Is was that asleep. why he set his sights on the old one that's the vulnerable one? Why do you want to well, make him into a psychopath? Won't play with me. I'll teach you. Oi, oi, oi. He slipped under the table, creeping along stealthily on all fours. You ever seen a fat kid be stealthy? Oh, pl- excuse me, have you ever seen a plopper be stealthy? I just thought of, like, when I was really little, I acted like if I was on all fours and crawling through the room, that was ninja mode. And I went transparent and ain't no one could see me. Even though it's like the Unless I stood up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing that even in the 1890s or whenever this was actually supposed to take place in, um, the children thought the same. They thought they would become (laughs) Japanese ninjas if they were just on all fours and a little bit out of sight. (laughs) One woman spotted him and smiled. Roll moved along, past women's legs, waiting for the chance to slip a hand above the table to grab a handful of feathers. That's what I, that's, yeah. <laughs> Handful of feathers. Wow. That's like, what they called it back then in the 1800s. Crazy a child. Hey, man. It was also the 1800s. People only lived to be 20, 30. No. A little greedy child trying to get a handful. Roll's journey continued under the length of the table so he could make his way to the spinners and looms. He emerged and began to play. At the loom's wheel, he slowly dropped in tuft after tuft of soft feather, watching it spin round and then float up in wisps. Wisps. Why would I write in a word I can't pronounce? Wispuses. Wispuses. Worcestershire. 
When he was out of feathers and simple merriment, he turned to find a new distraction. In doing so, he accidentally knocked into the wheel, his jostling snapping the thread. A woman who had spotted him earlier, one of the younger of these knitters and loomers, turned... Scolder? That's not a word. She turned into a scolder, we're sticking to it, shooing the naughty boy off along with the housemistress, who was his aunt. Chewing him off. Shooing. Shooing. Shooing, like... Shooing him off. Taking your shoes off and throwing it at him. Yeah. Get back in your corner! (laughs) Go play with the dogs! And the old lady! (laughs) But Roll couldn't be content in old Trella's company, so he only bid his time in silent obedience for a short while. He moved carefully along the edge of the room until he could slip in among the men. They noted the child and checked briefly that their tools were still out of reach, but even so, Roll managed to steal a fine chisel off the tabletop. While playing with this, he broke the tip of the chisel against a table leg, earning yet another scolding from one of the carvers this time. Which I spelled cravers. Because he craved child flesh after he broke his chisel. I get it. I mean, Zeus would be appalled, but I get it. Roll pouted beneath the table for about five whole minutes. And that, that's about it. And while he was still under the table, he stared at all of the human legs around him, and he noted how odd those legs looked. Quote, Some were curved where they should be straight. Some were straight where they should be curved. And as Roll said to himself, they all seemed screwed on differently, unquote. Everybody's legs underneath the table? Mm-hmm. I just, I thought, this kid's a dick. <laughs> just looking around <laughs> all these people's legs like, ain't nobody got perfect legs like me. Gross. <laughs> Check out these thick thighs. That's rolled. He's like, check out these thick thighs. Everybody else's legs are ugly and squiggly and bent in the wrong places. He stretched his own legs out before him, and he admired their normalness, but then spotted a pair superior to all others. See, normal is subjective, though. It is. Roll crawled his way over to these, which sat just a bit apart from everyone else. He imagined the days when he would grow old, and could be so tall and filled with such strength. Swain, the handsome young owner of the legs in question, found his little cousin Roll quiet and happy at his feet. The child watched Swain's deft hands move along the tools and wood of his craft, occasionally blowing small chips of wood from the work surface. Roll carefully wrapped himself around Swain's ankle, laying his head against the man's knee in a gesture of innocent hero worship. Don't sound too innocent to me. I I know the behavior, though. (laughs) Become the ball and chain. Swain met him with kindness, patting his head fondly. But Roll could only be quiet for so long, and without the busy man noticing, he snuck off again. But not before stealing yet another tool. It took about ten minutes with a carving tool to hurt himself. Well, what'd he have last time? I thought he... Oh, yeah, pickaxe. A fine chisel. Oh, a chisel. Yeah. Pickaxe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Upgraded it. Yeah, I mean, it's like a a big chisel, you know? 
Just this like six year old child <laughs> waving a pickaxe around. Nobody thought anything breaking of it. Breaking it against the table. Legs. Nobody thought anything of it. It was the 1800s or sooner. Almost the 1900s. Kid, go out there and play with your pickaxe. Get out of our hair. Lord. Take your old dog with you. <laughs> yeah, take your dog with you. So, Roll wound up screeching and hollering in pain, as children do, startled by the blood that gushed from his new hand wound. He was immediately surrounded by a flurry of attention, comforting, washing and binding, and a pinch of scolding for good measure. His cries eventually turned to stifled sobs, and he was returned to the Sons chimney Sons of bitches. Corner. Yes. Stifled sons of bitches. It's like, <laughs> sons of bitches, I could have did it better myself. He was returned to the chimney corner that Trella yet occupied with the puppy and the old hound, Tear. Roll reflected on how strong Swain was once more, and he felt embarrassed by his outburst. Swain, who had once arrived home, arm torn down from the shoulder, dead bare in tow. Swain's lips were white with pain His then. His arm was torn? Down from the shoulder. So like missing skin, bleeding. Yeah. Just yeah. mangled. So he probably doesn't have an arm anymore. Well, in this, he seems to. But I'm guessing as injured as he could get without losing it. So they got healing mages? Maybe. He got torn up and dragged a whole ass bear home by himself, so... Yeah, I mean, that that too is questionable. <laughs> Have you ever seen a bear? I'm assuming it was a grizzly. These things are huge. <laughs> Grizzlies native to Scandinavia. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> polar land. bear, even bigger. Why polar bear? Okay. Ooh, okay. I seen a German dragon shout a grizzly back into the woods that was running at him, so. I believe that from the Germans. <laughs> so, if a grizzly can be in Germany, then it can be wherever we're talking about. Okay. Scandinavia, Greenland, Iceland. We're okay. Americans, so we don't know where things are. <laughs> it's not a joke, just a fact. <laughs> All right, our Alabama <laughs> educated ginger man. <laughs> One of two. Well, specifically, Alabama-educated and man would not apply to me. That's fair. But you would count as two. Wait, what? You're a, you're a second person. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're the second ginger. I thought you meant I alone counted as two, and I was like... No. Personality-wise, maybe. You're not plop or roll. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till later. What happened in that story? There was that kid named Plop. There was that fat kid, Ploppy Rolls. <laughs> Something like that. With the thunder thighs. <laughs> he abused animals. You know who I mean. Carries a pickaxe. This <laughs> <laughs> poor child. I swear, if the artwork isn't a fat kid with a pickaxe torturing no. dogs, then I don't know. What it's going to be. Can't imagine just a normal <laughs> child and not some little psychopath. Have you ever seen children? They are all little psychopaths. Eh. 
But they're cute. When they're not yours. <laughs> they don't have a pickaxe. <laughs> Swain's lips were white with pain that day, but he never so much as winced. Or he could have been having, like, crack rot withdrawals. I mean, he was probably on crack if he dragged a bear back to the cabin. There's no telling where he got that bear. Maybe he's just really strong. Okay. All his stats went into upper arms. <laughs> well, that would be his, like, hamstrings and stuff, too. His legs would be huge. Oh, yeah, that's true. These were the thoughts that filled Roll's young mind as he watched the fire flicker and spark. After a particularly strong gust of wind disturbed the flames through the chimney, Roll lifted his head to listen more closely. The room had quieted. He had to lift the fat off his ears. No. Now you're making him into like a bulldog. He's like not even a kid anymore. Pug. Okay. <laughs> Pug. He's got the opposite of cross eyes. They look opposite directions. <laughs> the room quieted as all recognized the sound of a child's voice outside the front door. Open, open, let me in, the voice came from down low, below the door handle, which rattled as if by a child on tiptoe struggling to reach it. The soft knocks of small hands struck upon the wood as well. One man near the door jumped up to open it. Jesus Christ! But he reported, confused, that no one stood outside. Very misleading. Jesus! There's no one there. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. I was ready to fight a child, but it looks like my <laughs> services aren't needed. As he did so, Tyr, the old wolfhound, lifted his head and howled dismally. Swain rushed to the door to investigate himself. The night was dark. The clouds heavy with snow, probably full of terror, and a mist of flurries in the air from the wind. Like flurries of fists being thrown by rolled. Snow flurries. Oh. Oh. The snow on the porch was untrodden, however. No sight or sound came from the world outside the hall. So, Swain shrugged and chalked it up to the wind after all, shutting the door once more. The faces inside were perturbed, however. The wind could explain the latch rattling, and the knocking even, but not the child's voice. Besides that, the wolfhound's howling had inspired fear. Ominous whispers passed amongst those present. In time, unease and silence thawed away, and voices flowed amidst the warm company once more. A half hour passed, and a slight noise outside the door immediately froze all bodies in the room. Everyone looked toward the door, hesitant. But Swain declared it must be Christian, his twin brother, arriving late. But the sound outside was not like a young man's healthy step, but more of a feeble shuffle. It sounded then like a stick tapped at the door. It's a pickaxe. Oh, no, it's Roll. He's back. <laughs> and a high-pitched and elderly voice cried out, Hope Ella, she can't do this voice. God damn it, let me in there. 
It's cold as fuck out here on this bare-ass porch. <laughs> you remind me of Adam Sandler from uh, Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, I guess I asked for help, so. Never can satisfy you. And again, Tyr rose his head and howled. Swain sprung up and to the door, flinging it wide open. No one again, he reported, voice steady, but eyes startled. What? Dark fir trees bowed in the wind in the distance, but nothing more. Thank you very much. (laughs) What? The trees bowed. Oh. Thank you very much. (laughs) Great. Scene. Great egg dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) So good you didn't even get it. I had to explain it, which made it even funnier because (laughs) jokes are funnier when you explain them. I do think we try to maintain that, yes. (laughs) How true it is, I'm not not sure. (laughs) Swain closed the door without further comment and recrossed the room. Paled faces watched him, hoping... That's what I mean. White men watched him. Pale face watched him. Pale face. I think you guys are ch- are taking these adjectives a little too seriously. <laughs> Literally. Hoping that the bravest of them could also solve the mystery and put their fears to rest. Swain glanced between them and his mother, and in an effort of composure, made the sign of the cross. The sign was repeated by all, and it was like breaking a spell. They could breathe again. Conversation continued, but now much quieter than before. Careful murmurs taking place of hearty laughter. Tools were handled as noiselessly as possible. Every time, so much as a gust of wind rattled against the door, everybody stopped and paused. Swain lingered near the door, just in case. In the, in the original, I didn't write this, but it said that he was pretending to help people less skilled that were seated by the door to give him an excuse to be closer to it. <laughs> it was like, oh, so the skilled handsome man was helping out the plebs near the door. <laughs> helping them do what? Like teaching them and giving them tips on like their carving and stuff. Oh. Then a man's heavy footsteps were heard on the porch. Swain and his mother exchanged hopeful looks and declared aloud, Christian! But Tyr answered their confidence with another howl. I don't know why he's howling like the moon, like he's at the moon. Mm. I don't don't have another howl. Yeah, I don't either. I don't come here to be the animal voices. Also, to be fair... Every time you say hound, I think of like a hound dog, not like a wolf hound. That's fair. I think of like a droopy-faced, like where the red fern grows type dog. Well, this is a wolf hound. He's old, though. I don't know what the older ones look like. (laughs) Like the younger ones, but more gray. Do dogs turn gray? Mm -hmm. Arthur's hair turned white across his face. Their their colors change when they get older. Yeah, you can tell. They wonder, lose, it's just like our hair; they, it starts losing yeah. that. Some cats get really dark. We had a Bichon freeze, so if she turned whiter, we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I gotta get my man voice on. 
yourself out open open let me in this is a man's voice or I'll huff and puff and blow your house down came a man's voice and the door <laughs> shook as though by an adult strength beating against it swain felt the planks of wood quiver but he flung the door open all the same and the porch was bare save for yet undisturbed snow that's where he got the bear from, the porch. It was made of bears. Now I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so he didn't have to go far. So it's not that impressive anymore. I'm starting to wonder how he got his arm all fucked up. You think he might need to explain the joke that didn't record last time? You know, you said bear porch. Yeah. You and Miles had jumped on it and you were like, is the porch made of a... A cage of bears. <laughs> Sal's arm got fucked up. They're just reaching up and clawing. That's why nobody goes out on the porch. Yeah. It made about as much sense as anything you guys say. Yeah, uh, that much know. I remember. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining this full bear skin <laughs> porch. Everything else is dusty. <laughs> the chill of fear spread quicker than the bitter wind <laughs> sweeping through the open door. Swain paused for a long moment before resolutely turning, snatching up a great bearskin cloak and telling his mother he would be just outside on the porch before closing the door. He had to get the coat to disguise himself so the other bears wouldn't attack him. <laughs> Did he make that cloak out of the bear he just dragged in? Well, he didn't just do that. That had been like a year before. Oh, that was a year before this? Yeah. You didn't tell us about a time lapse? I said that the kid was remembering a day about a year ago. Oh, well, pff, I don't listen to you. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> I'm here to make up my own stories based off the information you researched. Wrapped in the heavy fur, Swain steeled his nerves. He stood until his feet grew numb. After an hour... He gave up the watch and re-entered the hall, determined not to freeze for nothing. One woman barely suppressed a scream when Swain moved the latch, only to be relieved at his re-entrance. The housemistress started to ask if Swain had seen any sign of his brother coming, but as he moved toward the warmth of the hearth, a clear knocking came from the door. Tear jumped up, eyes blazing, Fangs bare, fur bristled. He ran for the door then, barking furiously. So the dying chihuahua, <laughs> <laughs> wolfhound, is threatening. Hey, he's old. Yeah, he's old. You said so yourself. <laughs> he's old and blind. He's not gets, blind. He gets picked on by fat kids. What do you expect? Adding it's these extraneous details. <sighs> this time, a clear and mellow voice called out. Though Tears barking made it impossible to make out distinct words. No one moved, save for Swain, 
who stomped across the floor, lifted the latch, and swung the door back. A white-robed woman glided in. Not a wraith, but a live woman, beautiful and young, and tear leapt toward her. In one smooth motion, the woman swept back the folds of her fur robe and snatched a small axe from her girdle. It spun in her hand as she readied a defensive maneuver to keep Tyr at bay. But Swain caught the wolfhound by the collar and dragged him off, struggling all the while. Other men came forward to assist with Tyr. The stranger stood motionless for a moment, one foot forward, one arm up with axe in hand. The housemistress and Swain hurried to her to apologize, and the woman swayed back to life. The woman was tall and very fair. Her dress was masculine in a way, but not unflattering. A fine fur tunic reached a little below her knees, and she wore cross-bound shoes and leggings like those of a hunter. A white fur cap kept her head warm, and with her clothes loosened, long plates of fair hair rested in front of her shoulders, long enough to reach her ivory-studded girdle and the axe it held. Her beauty captivated the farmstead, who were as quick to forget their fear as they once were to fall victim to its icy grip. The stranger was led to the fire, where she voluntarily shared her tale of a long journey, one that was meant to lead her to distant family, but instead resulted in a missing guide and mistaken landmarks, and ultimately, to getting lost. Swain was shocked she traveled alone, for hundreds of leagues, but the woman smiled, brushing away his concerns of savage folk and wild beasts, while resting one hand upon her axe. I fear neither man nor beast. Some few fear me. And she shared more tales still, of hardship and battle, and the bold but free huntress life she led. Her words were a bit slow, and deliberate, as if she spoke an unfamiliar language oftentimes pausing in the middle of a sentence as if to find the right word. She spoke like Joaquin Phoenix. Not Joaquin Phoenix, who am I thinking of? Who's that guy? The Joker. No, 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 not Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, oh. <laughs> You're like, who's that guy? I was like, you did not narrow it down for us at all. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Everyone hung on to her stories. She was young and what bright. what they called her tits. <laughs> if not a bit strange. And a welcome relief to the mysterious voices of the night. Little Roll approached the woman as well, staring unabashedly at the stranger as he stepped near enough to pat the soft corners of her robe. He asked for her name, and despite the lack of manners in his sudden question, she smiled at him and answered, My real name would be uncouth to your ears and tongue. The folk of this country have given me another name. Based on my robe, they call me White Fell. And Little Roll was just as fascinated by the name as anything else, and he kept repeating it quietly to himself as he plopped his elbows into her lap. See, another plopper. He'd be plopping. He's just plopping. Stop shaming this child. He's not real. We can shame him as much as we want to. You don't know that. 
is all based off of true events. It was an autobiographical work. <laughs> well, he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Clements was rolled all along. <laughs> You, you you want a kid to be fat in the 1800s in Scandinavia anyway, right. so he survives the winters. True, true. So either he survives the winter or you have something to eat if the the cupboard goes bare. Oh, dear. No, no, no. What is the point of having a porch of bears if you're going to resort to the children? Well, you can't make a porch out of children. They're not sturdy enough. God forbid you use a <laughs> The surrounding trees never never provide another option. Well, you pick option. where you want to build based on the landscape. You don't want to destroy the landscape. Just the wildlife living in it. <laughs> I love when you guys think you're being logical. <laughs> There's no thinking about it. Okay. His aunt moved to chastise him, but White Fell smiled and stroked his head allowing the boy to climb onto her knee and nestle happily onto her lap, full of a child's confidence and the kindness of beauty. He kissed her cheek once, twice, and she laughed and returned the favor. Swain asked if the child bothered her, and she earnestly answered, not at all. Roll saw an opportunity to garner sympathy and pity from the stranger. Get another handful. Yep. And he began to unwind the bandage them stories, you know what I'm saying? around his hand. <laughs> Once done, he displayed the cut, gaping and long. And at the sight of it and the blood-stained linen, White Fell drew in her breath suddenly, clasping Roll to her so hard that he began to struggle. Her face was hidden by him, so none could see it light up with a most awful glee. So, yeah, not creepy at all. She's going to eat a child. There's nothing creepy about that. And far beyond the hall and the fir grove, Christian, Swain's absent brother, was hurrying along to return home. As of daybreak, he had been traveling around in a radius of 12 miles to share notice of a bear hunt with all the best hunters. This kept him till late, but he broke into a run so that the remaining miles disappeared quickly. Though it was dark and difficult to see, he ran confidently, entering the darkness of the fir grove. Beyond it, under the open sky, he could see his family's farm down the slope. But he jumped back a moment standing still at the sight of large wolf prints in the snow. Oh, he is definitely trying to enter the darkness of the fir grove. Oh my goodness. Me too. Here it's warm there. A little moist this time of year. Humid. <clears throat> Probably a welcome change from the snow. Yeah. His hand flew to his knife, the only weapon on him. Christian went into careful tracking mode stooping down to be eye-level with a beast, his heartbeat quickening. These were by far the largest tracks he had ever seen, and they were recent. He had cursed his delays before, and now was grateful, glad that he had not come across a wolf in the darkness. He followed the path, finding it led down the slope, across a frozen stream, and towards the farm. Christian wanted to believe that the tracks were made by tear, or another wolfhound, 
but he knew too well the difference between dog and wolf prints. Everybody knows. So obvious. Duh. One's a dog's, one's a wolf's. He drew his knife and quickened his pace, eyes flitting about nervously. And once he reached the hall doors, the tracks ended. Early. But there was no beast on the porch, and there were no tracks indicating a return trip either. Christian stood dazed a moment before lifting the latch and allowing himself inside. The bright light revealed familiar faces and one unfamiliar, a stranger, fur-clad and beautiful. And the truth struck him with awful clarity. He knew what she was. So he just sees a stranger and automatically thinks, she's a werewolf. Yeah. I just thought of that whole stupid Twilight scene. I know what you are. There were definitely dog tracks leading up to here. <laughs> you bitch. Right, that's, that's the only explanation. It's the only explanation. I mean, you're wearing fur. No one around here does. (laughs) Right? Nobody else is wearing fur. It's winter. That would be insane. He's slapping the bear skin off of his brother's shoulder. He's like, no one does that. (laughs) You're embarrassing me. Well, I will say, as far as Twilight versus the werewolf, his reaction, as we will see, makes a lot more sense when maybe faced with something supernatural and deadly than like, and I find you really hot. I hope you kill me one day. Most of those inside were distracted from Christian's arrival by the bustle of preparing supper. Christian himself moved in a slow daze, feeling as if he was in a nightmare and desperate to wake from it. Swain and their mother didn't question his behavior, assuming he must simply be exhausted. He sat himself down by the hearth, opposite that dreadful thing that only looked like a beautiful girl. He watched her every move, his stomach churning at the sight of her curled up with his cousin, Roll. And worse still, Swain's eyes rested upon White Fell in warm admiration. He likes him strong and independent. Furry. He also wants to take a trip to that fur cavern. Yep. And unlike Artemis, this one seems down a clown. She's furry nice. Uh. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) These brothers, twins though they may be, were quite different. Both had light brown hair. One was ugly, one wasn't. Deep blue eyes, I'm getting there. But Swain was perfection embodied, and Christian's mouth was set just a little too straight, his eyes a bit too deep, and the contours of his face were more flat. They were both tall, but Christian was slender, where Swain was broad-shouldered and muscular, which is how he can drag a bear by himself. That's fair. Swain was unsurpassed as hunter, fisher, wrestler, writer, dancer, and singer. Which only makes me think of Gaston. Yeah, I don't know why all of those were necessary. He's all of the things. (laughs) No one spits like a swain (laughs) or takes shits like a swain. I don't know how it goes. I don't remember. It's the Disney version, right? Probably. 
He's the bear bard. The what? Bear bard. He's a bard. And he fights bears. With his music. His mighty axe. <laughs> Christian only won out in speed, keeping pace along Swain's fastest burst, all while still talking and laughing. Barely breaking a sweat. So. One of them is the best hunter, fisher, wrestler, writer, singer, dancer, and he's super handsome. And the other one can run real good. And that seems fair. And yet he was still late. Yeah. That's, he had to work all day outside where it was solid, fucking cold. It's a solid point. Solid, I guess you don't want to be here, Christian. That's fine. You didn't have to come. Though Christian took little pride in this, quote, counting a man's legs to be the least worthy of his members, unquote. Hmm. I just wanted to share that with you guys verbatim. Despite this disparity, Christian did not envy Swain, but loved him only as a twin could, proud of his brother's feats and content with being in second place, even with knowing that he was loved less than he loved. So naturally, Christian sought to consult his brother, and privately, so as not to horrify the women and children present. Or sound insane publicly. Could have been an ulterior motive, maybe, yeah. But Swain ignored his signals. Eyes on white fell and white fell alone. Christian moved off, temporarily giving up, and noticed Tear chained up in the distant corner. He asked about this, and came to hear of the dog's near attack and near death by means of axe. Christian went to Tear to praise the good, brave dog, realizing that only they knew. Just man and dumb dog. It doesn't really help your, your case for sanity. <laughs> When it's like, only one understands me in this entire hall. It is the wolfhound. Right. Then again, that's also pretty relatable. As a woman who felt feels most seen by her cats. I understand. <laughs> Christian and Tyr watched White Fell, one quivering with the rage of reason, and the other with the rage of instinct. Rage was unbridled. Yes, that's good. Keep that. Yeah. Christian joined everyone again to ask more about the night's events. He learned that the stranger arrived not a half an hour before he did, that Swain had answered the door because everyone else was too scared to move, and then of the mysterious door summons. They summon doors? So they do have witchcraft. The summoning at the doors of the knocking and let me in. Oh. This sounded like Cosby. The summoning of the doors of the knocking of the pudding no. pop. Nobody finds it suspicious that she just happened to show up after all this ding-dong ditching. Yeah. Nope. Except the one person who wasn't there to know that that part was suspicious. <laughs> Except he's asking about it right now. And they also told him about Tears' ominous howling and Swain's fruitless watch outside to investigate. Because remember, he stood out there for like a whole hour and nothing happened, and then he came back inside and someone knocked again. Swain showed White Fell, which I wrote as hell, 
to the guest quarters, meanwhile, and she asked after the location of Karen Hill, the meeting place that she was due to arrive at that night. But Swain and his mother encouraged her to stay in, as this was three miles away and only had one wretched hut to shelter her from the elements. They could show her the way tomorrow. Christian finally got the chance to speak to Swain alone. Christian asked his elder twin if he knew what White Fell was. Swain answered, The most beautiful girl he'd ever seen. And Christian revealed his suspicions. She's a werewolf. And he's blinded. When them tits are good, they good. Some good-ass stories. (laughs) The biggest stories. Voluptuous. It's weird. She wears a tunic tighter than any woman I've ever met, and I can listen to her talk for hours. She should have a girdle on. She does. That's like, where she well, pulled her axe from. Yeah, I think it was more like a belt. You said girdle. You yeah, did that's say what girdle. It, that's what it says, but I think it's referring to a belt. Swain responded with laughter and the accusation of insanity. <laughs> You're fucking crazy. Christian attempted to show him the evidence outside, the obvious wolf prints that ended abruptly outside the door, but it had taken him so long to get Swain's attention that they had all but disappeared under freshly fallen snow. Swain suggested, with concern, that the cold night and wariness had played tricks on Christian, but Christian insisted there was no delusion, and he begged his brother to believe him. Why, even the dog knew. In fairness, if I had some bitch over for the first time, no matter how pretty she was, and my dog did not like her, I would take that as a sign that she might be a serial killer. Just right off the bat. Bitch Maybe. Be crazy. They don't get a lot of visitors. How do you know? It, they it, are it in the middle of weird. the woods. Well, they're on a farmstead, and they they actively communicate with other farmsteads in the area, like for inviting them to hunts and stuff. Yeah, but not randoms, which could cause a dog to act up. You never know. And obviously, Christian chatted with him. He agrees. When Swain still remained unconvinced, Christian threatened to bring his certainty to their mother, who would surely believe him. This turned Swain's mood sour and he grabbed his twin's arm to stop him. Why are you laughing? Because I just imagined him like, I'm going to tell mom. Oh, fair enough. Christian, who had always been so docile, wrenched himself free. Swain continued to insist that women are too easily scared, and Christian would be riling them up without proof. Well, that's true. Christian begged once more for his brother to believe him, which earned him the following response. I believe you to be a fool. Another who was not your brother might believe you to be a knave and guess that you had transformed White Fell into a werewolf because she smiled more readily on me than on you. You old sucking eye having bitch. You straight mouth sucking eye having bitch nothing but run good and you were still like <laughs> it took me a second to realize you were saying sunken eyed and i was like what's a suck it eye i did stumble through it how dare you 
He's got two eye holes. <laughs> Swain continued to insult Christian, suggesting that he just go get advice from old Trella on how to tackle a werewolf so he could prepare himself if he was so convinced. Maybe he could watch the suspected person until midnight when the beast form forcibly took hold and would remain so forever if a human eye witnessed the change. Or better yet, the hands and feet of the accused could be sprinkled with holy water, eliciting certain death if guilty. Christian was too distressed to be offended. He insisted on his theory still, and Swain reflected that they had never quarreled, not realizing that this was more due to Christian's good nature than anything else, but that they certainly would come to violence if Christian could not let this go. So Christian, heart-heavy and stomach-sickened at the sight of his brother's growing affection for White Fell, resigned himself to watching the guest chamber until midnight. So he's just, like, posted outside her room. So he's a creep. All was quiet. He wondered what lay on the other side of the door. Woman or beast? He couldn't bear the suspense and so looked inside just after twelve, only to find the window open and the room empty. Good thing they weren't paying for central air. Rude bitch. Who does that? A guest in someone's home. Whatever. It's central air. Yeah, but it was... That covers heating. It's snowing. Yeah, that covers heating. All right. Don't be picky with me. I guess. I didn't invite you to criticize me. I'm just always taking central air as air conditioning. Maybe she only can sleep when it's cold. I don't like sweating in my sleep. Is it in in a world without heat that, like, all your heat comes from a fireplace? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's actually going to get warm enough in the mm-hmm. guest room for you need need to open a window in the winter? She was wearing fur. <laughs> There's no way she could have taken she her jacket off. She had the boots off. with the fur. <laughs> with the fur. The whole hall was looking at her. She hit a floor. Because <laughs> she a wolf. <laughs> anyway. Christian slept a bit easier after that, but his elder brother was pretty upset to discover Whitefell's absence in the morning. You! You want to for yourself! Surprise and conjecture spread through the farmstead. Sorry, bro, she got the best stories. The elder brother joined the bear hunt, and Christian made excuses to stay behind. In fact, Christian would not let home out of his sight for weeks to come. Whitefell's name never came up between them, but a day didn't go by without little Roll asking after her and when the pretty lady might return. And this is another straight quote. Little Roll, naughty, merry, fair-haired little Roll. A day came when his feet raced over the threshold, never to return. When his chatter and laugh were heard no more when tears of anguish were wept by eyes that would never see his bright head again, never again, living or dead. So, so yeah, um, he's dead. He went away. He was last seen at dusk, 
running from the house with his puppy in an act of rebellion to escape old Trella. When he didn't return, the adults became anxious. And then his puppy was found creeping back to the farm, whimpering and pitiful, full of terror and unable to guide the frightened search that ensued. Roll's body was never found, not even a trace. The best guess was that he had been devoured by a wild beast. Some good eating. Probably ate for days. Mm-hmm. Christian overheard these guesses, and the word wolf, as like a guess to wild beast, and with sick certainty, he realized what wolf, or which wolf, it must have this been. This guy assumes a lot. This guy just assumes things. Well, donkeys were in fashion. I don't know what to tell you. He turned white and struggled to voice his accusation, which gave Swain enough time to notice his behavior and drag him off before he could voice them aloud. Swain couldn't stand Christian's irrational suspicions. The fact that he was directing such hatred to so fair a stranger was intolerable. Christian yielded to his brother's will against his own judgment, and bit his tongue. A year had passed before White Fell appeared at their porch again, smiling as she entered, confident in the kindly welcome she would surely receive. And everyone was pleased to see her. Everyone, of course, except Christian. Swain was delighted, but Christian could not keep his vow of silence face to face with that thing. He blurted out, where is Roll? Swain was outraged, but no one else really found the question odd. Some women shed a single tear of grief, but all thought that the association was natural, given Roll's immediate attachment to Whitefell. Christian determined that there was only one thing he could do, and he left, too overcome by the horror he felt at Whitefell's return to stay and bear listening to her excuses and lies. And that's probably, we're about halfway through the story, so that's probably a good... Stopping? Yeah. I, I don't like Swain. I can't stand this dude. He's an old school sip. This, yeah. is, not, this is not Gaston energy. You're supposed to be the best at everything. They're supposed to flock to you. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch is trying too hard to really be handsome. Yeah, he is acting kind of like a cuck, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's got it on a pedestal. I, I do think, because we get this when you watch horror and you know the truth as the audience, like yeah. a lot. If it was someone you knew and loved and trusted... And they came up to you and they were like, yo, I saw this guy in science class and he was sniffing the new girl and he's always super fucking pale. I don't think he's aged in years and his skin's really cold. I think he's a fucking vampire or some shit. You might give it a little bit of credence because it's like, I trust you and you saw some shit. So something's up. Even if it's just a loony boy who thinks he's a vampire. It's one thing to be resistant and be like, yeah, that's crazy, while still internalizing some of the warnings. But it's it's another thing to be like, yo, shut the fuck up. I'll beat your ass. <laughs> right. I'll fuck you up. This is my new lady. I- I'll fuck you up, even though I just met her tonight. <laughs> yeah, the fuck? 
<laughs> the dog I've known for 10 years is dying in the corner trying to get to her. For me, the dog is the most damning. They're twins, right? I do not. There are two things I will not question. Or are they just brothers? They're twins. Yeah. There's two things I will not question. If a dog doesn't like the house, or if an old Spanish woman starts shouting and pointing to the house and saying, like, don't go in there, that house is haunted, leave. You got double evidence. <laughs> a dog reacting badly to a person is usually not a good sign. For me, the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that they were literally living in terror for hours. <laughs> he stood outside in the cold for an hour. That's true. And then something finally shows up and he's like, ooh. I don't know ooh. why we were so scared of this. The child elderly man and adult aggressive man left so that she could come. <laughs> yeah, what was up with them? Did they just get eaten? Were they asking for help and then it, White Fell ate them? Uh, at the end of the story, you can draw your own conclusions, but the best guess is supernan- supernatural shenanigans. There is a point where um, in the original, it describes the fact that the reason Swain keeps checking and being the one to check is because he trusts himself to remain, like, logical and cool-headed. So if he goes outside and he's not seeing anything or any evidence of anything, he's going to be quicker to say, okay, it was the wind, than he is to say, the devil is among us! Like, so he's he's putting himself on, like, a pedestal of logic and reasoning. Men. We know that Swain would lead everyone to death in a horror movie. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Oh, God, they're here. Quick, upstairs, hide in the closet where there's no escape. Every time I go to Wiz, there's a there's a voice that says, get out, I'll kill you, leave my home. It's just the breeze, you dumb fuck. <laughs> that was just the AC kicking on. It's enunciating. I think these were words. <laughs> he already basically sacrificed his cousin to try to get some. Your cousin disappeared, like, the same day. It was no, the same day, right? Well, it was the next Within day? the he next year. Within the next oh, year. Oh, okay, okay. He was, like, he was asking all the time, because he was, like, enamored with her. And he was like, oh, I hope she comes back, the pretty nice lady. A pretty lady can't be mean. And then he ran off, and he never came home. They were just distracted by our stories. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. So... But uh, I don't know. We're going to have to give Miles homework <laughs> for part two. I'm sure he remembers some of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, because this story is actually like t- double the length of my normal notes, that's why we're, we're cutting it early this time. And so our werewolf theme is going to carry over until March. Because romance never dies. It's a message to the men out there. You have to keep buying her gifts into March now. Um, Consumerism does not equate to love. Tell that to Christmas. That's not true. Tell that to women, you mean. Yeah. They're the ones that keep the economy afloat with their mindless consumer attitudes. You're welcome. Yeah. Do you you want to make some predictions for, for part two? I think 
that no, I have no predictions other than the obvious. I think Swain's going to get to hear the good stories and then probably die for it. I I think And I'm not sure if Christian will get his revenge, but he'll get all he'll get his I told you so moment. I think he'll get the I told you so moment because he'll be the one that dies and that'll be what uh, gets Swain to Yeah, that would be better storytelling. Because Swain's more capable, so he'd be the one who actually Yeah, all the other dude can do is run. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't even do that that well. (laughs) Why did you suddenly make him bad at it? Oh, because he was was right. He had to to run like 15 miles in, or no, 12. It was 12 miles in every direction on foot throughout the entire day. In the snow, uphill. Yeah, all of those things. 15 miles. Meanwhile, his brother killed a bear and dragged it back before he got there. That didn't happen that day. (laughs) So he was more than a day late? No. His brother's hunting story. How late was he? A year past. It was a little kid reflecting (laughs) on how brave he once was and remembered this time long ago. This poor man already has to be second place to his brother, even in love. He's like, man, I love you, bro. And he's like, eh, I could take you or leave you. And like literally in everything. And you guys are like, and bitch can't tell time. He can't be making it on time. He's 15 minutes late minimum to everything. His best friend's a dog. (laughs) This poor dude. Just just trying to be a good brother. Got sunken in eyes, flat face. Don't you don't you wish when you met a crazy, (laughs) crazy broad. Yeah, he doesn't look crazy at all. Don't you wish when you met a crazy broad, one of your friends would come up and be like, yo, bro. That bitch might kill you. She's nuts. Wouldn't you want that honesty? Probably wouldn't listen. <laughs> well, then you're a swain. We're all swains. At the end of the day. <laughs> That's why he frustrates me. <laughs> <sighs> well, there was less singing this episode. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know how to end this. Goodbye. Because because it's not the end. Yeah, it's not. Well, see you next time on Dragons Drink Bourbon, where we will find out why Swain is such a bad brother and if Christian is really crazy or not. And if anybody gets laid. The end. Until next week. To be concluded. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. The bourbons that drunk and the dragons are slain will meet you here next week to 
I will say the only saving grace in it not recording last time is you two could not get the facts straight and you had no idea what was going on. <laughs> it's hard to follow when, the regis- when it registers like up here. You know, shrill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to look real dumb without eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people pull it off. Some people. And women draw them on, so, I mean, why can't he do that? Yeah. I don't Are you need- say, So you're saying that you don't believe in equality? What? <laughs> what is happening? If you do it, then I'm just going to have bare eyebrows. Well, you could do, like, the guy on Fully Cooley and put, like, some big, thick-ass, like, Construction paper strips on your eyebrows. <laughs> you killed a bear and only shaved off enough fur <laughs> for two eyebrows and just left the body there. That's all I needed from you. Would have let you live, but I needed another bear for the porch. <laughs> we get evicted from our apartment because we start rebuilding our porch out of bears. <laughs> we were not authorized or zoned for this. Original music by Maria Vincent and art by Something by LP. You can follow these fine American idiots on Instagram and Facebook at ddb.podcast. You can also email them at dragonsdrinkbourbon at gmail.com. The child. <clears throat> oh my goodness. <clears throat> <clears throat> Um. Ah! <laughs> now our warm-up exercise is such a peak professionalism. <laughs>